everybody, and welcome back to the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. I'm George Tello, and it's finally the end of the season. It's time to recap everything that happened over the course of this year. And of course, I will get to the podcast, or just mine personally, team of the season. This was my team of the season. This is not going to be what I conjecture with Serge, Joey, and Luis about, but this is mine personally. I just thought because I have the podcast, I think I could do my own, right? Um, I'm going to recap D2, D1 on everything that happened over the season. I am not going to dive into every team starting this podcast, um, but I will try and get into the teams over the course of the off season and what their lookout is as we go into the next year. Obviously, there is a lot to get to. Um, and the, on a side note, before I start the podcast, Wayne and Martin have not played their game. So that is something that will be, you will not hear in this podcast. However, I do have the results from the Bayern and Houston game to talk about. Uh, so have an entire season of content to talk about. So let's get to it on this week's episode of the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. Okay, so let's get D2 underway because D2 had such a underdog type of feel the entire season. And we ended up getting an underdog winning the whole thing. Very Leicester City-like, um, but a lot more goals. So Ronnie obviously is the champion of D2. Congratulations to Young Boys and Ronnie. They go up to D1 with the highest scoring offense in D2 last season. Um, that obviously helped propel them past Celtic and Arsenal, who were all tied in points coming on to the last few games. And it came down to goal difference. All Ronnie had to do was win out, and that really put everyone at a disadvantage. Um, you have to give credit to some of the other teams in this division because they didn't lie down knowing that they couldn't win. Obviously, Arsenal, that ties at the end of the seasons and the dubious losses, uh, very random, albeit, but they were still, they hurt in the end. Um, let's get a rundown one last time of these standings. Obviously, in 11th, we had Club Leon. They had 12 points with 20 points as Man City. Atletico Madrid in 9th with 23. Atlanta United ended up with 39, which if you looked at the beginning of their season, you didn't think they were even going to get close to 30 points, let alone get one point away from 40. Benfica in 7th with 42. PSG with 43 points miss out on that 5th spot. Bayern Munich, Fiorentina 5-4. and four with 45 and 51 points respectively. And then you had Arsenal in third. They automatically go up on 54 points. And then Celtic in second with 62. Young Boys with 62 as well. However, it is a 48 to 31 goal difference. And on goal difference, that gives Young Boys the D2 championship. Now, there is not many differences from Celtic and Young Boys, but the two ones that point that pop out off the screen are the obvious goals for and goals allowed. Their records were the same, the amount of games they played the same, and the points. But it did come down to how much could you allow and how much could you score. Well, Ronnie did better in both, and quite, quite frankly, that's normally what the champion does. Well, Ronnie with 90 goals, 10 goals away obviously from 100, would have been really spectacular if he got that. Um... To go along with 42 goals allowed. Celtic with 46, not a bad number two spot for him, uh, with 77 goals to his name, which is also the second spot in the league. So it's not like Dre was 
some pushover opponent. And in FIFA 19, where the offense and the counterattack are very flowing and fluid and everyone kind of gets a chance to score at all points of the game, you were really happy that we got two teams that can score over the 70 goal mark, but you know, uh, competing for the title. We also got Arsenal and Fiorentina to reach that 70 goal mark as well. There's a lot of things to dive into because now that uh, me recording this, like I said in the intro, Dortmund has not played Fiorentina yet, so we don't know how impactful Fiorentina's season is in playing those games that they needed to win to get in. But what did I tell you guys about Bayern Munich, right? I mean, Luis shocked Josh. He beat him. You know, it was that matchup that really was going to determine a lot. And then he goes and wins the first game of the of the playoff leg against Houston 2-0. And then Houston comes back and wins 2-1. And it, and it really was a good playoff. This is a successful playoff for the league, knowing that Houston, who have been kind of bottom-dwelling in D1 for the majority of the season, they look like they got out. They got pulled right back in with everyone trying to be desperate and not want to play those games. They got pulled into this matchup, and because Munich do have very much a confusing side, don't get me wrong, where they're very inconsistent, but they do have a top defense in D2. It was actually the third best defense, so you knew coming into those playoffs they were going to have a chance to really hold Houston, who really, if you shut down Lukaku, really didn't have much else there. And well, Munich put them away. So Munich will go down, go up into D1, joining Arsenal, Celtic, and Young Boys. So we have four from D2 going up. We'll see if Dortmund can hold on and make sure that they stay in D1. They've been in the playoff before, previously against Tottenham Hotspur, and that didn't work out too well. However, they were let back into D1 after a lot of teams quit our league. Now, just for a prediction for this game, I will... Kind of take both sides here. I think if for Fiorentina to win this game, they have to use the same formula that's worked all season. Everyone has to get involved. And of course, the big boys have to step up. Van de Beek, we need to see him in this game. I think the way that Dortmund liked to play, especially Wayne, he likes to hold that ball at the top of the 18. And if you need someone to step up, it's going to be your midfielders. I really don't expect the more attacking players to have that defensive kind of role in this game where they're going to be needed they may need to come back every now and then and just kind of hold the fort down but it's going to come down to van de beek if he can hold the line and really take control of those attacking midfielders maybe even take out a forward in rooney or Murata, you're going to have guys like that that are going to come down at you and bvb are constantly going to keep counter-attacking that's something that we've seen them do you have very athletic players on that team and if uh, this podcast comes out by the time that game's already played, they're supposed to be playing today of this recording, so we'll see if that actually happens. However, I'm going to go with Fiorentina. I just think that through the length of the season, all the players that have kind of stepped up, Pizarro, another guy that you're going to have to watch out for, I don't know if Dortmund have the defensive capabilities to hold out Fiorentina. I think it'll be close. I'm going to go with an aggregate score of 4-3. I think Fiorentina will just do enough at home to get them in to D1 next year, and we will get a total of five coming up, five going down. Obviously, there's a few teams that won't be going down because, obviously, they've left the league. However, let's be optimistic for D2. We have two teams joining next season, and you have to admit, we did lose a few teams this year, but getting two back after losing three squads, and yes, more people could leave at the end of this year, but we have to be optimistic that two teams are coming back in. It can really help D2 a lot, knowing that even though 
things were really weird at the beginning of the season. D2 is starting to really regrow itself. And to have 11 teams and now you'll have, I believe it's what, 13, 14 will be there. I think you have to be optimistic that at some point we could have 20 and 20. And maybe a very chaotic 20 and 22, 24, depending on what kind of activity we get in the league going forward. Before I jump to the stats, I just want to say, I know I posted on Instagram. I haven't really looked at any of the likes or whatever, or any of the comments. But guys, one of the podcasts that I had uh, where I did the proposal is now up to 61 plays. I don't know what like that is so special about that episode. Um, I know I've had other people from other gaming leagues. I had a fantasy football league listen to it. Shout out to Wayne um, and his friends. But there is still a big group of people, and 62, 61 is a lot, excuse me, um, of people to really listen to something like that. Uh, so I'm really curious. I, I don't know if someone knows someone on the outside that's been listening to it. Uh, don't d- doesn't really matter. Uh, more so just curious. Um, but let me know what you guys actually thought about that besides the two same two, three people, uh, because apparently it's growing a lot of attention uh, as we go forward. Anyways, let's get to the player stats, and then I will try and dabble in what is my D2 team of the season. All right, so the final readout for D2, let's get into it. So we had 11 different goalkeepers record clean sheets over the course of the D2 season. Zach Steffen of Arsenal FC was the main man to lead them through that, with seven just beating out Buffon and Pepe Reina of Fiorentina, and Buffon of Young Boys, excuse me, with six goals. Ariza Balaga, Joel Robles, Emiliano Viviano of Benfica, all with five. Tim Howard of City had two. And, of course, it's Anjos, Kilinic, Ospina, and Ramiro, all with one. So, of course, congratulations to Zach Steffen of Arsenal FC on the Golden Gloves Award. It is a special award, I think, in any division, right? I mean, D1, obviously, because you have so many different types of offenses up there. But Arsenal, yes, they went up, but they're not known for their defending and the fact that they had seven games where they are able to keep out some of the better teams in their division uh, if you go back to it, young boys, obviously, a championship run. You needed, you need your goalkeeper, along with Celtic getting Ariza Balaga in the offseason. That's exactly what you needed him to do. Provide, at least, get you some points, some games, and he did it for five games at the very least. So, as we move to assists, this ended up being a lot closer of a race up until the very end. But Fiorentina got 21 assists and 8 goals from Rodolfo Pizarro, uh, Pizarro excuse me, and, of course... To have this, to win, to be the king of assist in D2 and have a chance to go up, you know, we'll see if this actually helps in the end. Uh, but this is still special if you're Martin. This is a very fun award to win, right? Just it's nice to have a certain player be able to take over and sort of dominate proceedings. Let's flesh out the top five here. Or excuse me, the top ten. We have six guys tied with ten assists. Fred, Juliano, Joaquin, Victor Moses, Paul Pogba, who's on loan. He joined Young Boys at the right time, got a D2 title. And Donny van de Beek, who I said will be very important, come playoff time later today. Rounding out that top 10, though, let's go with Carlos Vela, tied with Pavon of Benfica, Diego Iota of Fiorentina, and Stefan El Shadawe of Bayern Munich with all 11. 
You have to say, though, if you look at all four of those guys, they've all played an important role in their teams. Carlos Vela really helped Atlanta United, along with Christian Benteke, who I'll talk about in a bit, really improve that team because you didn't really think that team was going to do anything. I certainly didn't. The fact that they got the amount of points they got, you have to be optimistic for Glossic in the future. As for the five to two spots, we have Jamie Vardy with 12. He was tied with Enes Bardi of Atlanta United, another guy who quietly got it done over the course of the season. Literally didn't record any other statistic but assists, uh, and he had 12 over the course of the season. Alan St. Maximin of Celtic FC with 13 assists to go along with 10 goals. He had a 13-10 season. He's easily one of the better players on that Celtic team at the moment. Of course, they'll have an offseason to improve that. But right now, St. Maximin, you have to be happy with that, his performance. As for the two spot, it was David Villa of Young Boys with 15 assists and 15 goals. Just six, goal, uh, six assists away from catching Pizarro. It obviously wasn't enough. But to have David Villa and Jimmy Vardy, your two strikers, really have a chance uh, to help your team in the way they did it, dominating in both statistics and goals and assists, and obviously those are the two main ones that matter in this division. Now, let's get to goals, because I can wrap this part of the podcast up and get to my team of the season for D2 and my other awards for you guys in D2. In the 10 spot by himself, Bastos of Man City, you got to say, going forward, Gareth Bale and him are going to carry a lot of the load for City as they improve going forward. David Villa in ninth place with 15 goals. Santi Mina of Arsenal with 16. Musa Kanate of Benfica with 25 goals. He'll be back in D2 next season, so we'll see if he can continue to score 25 goals a season. Musa Marenga of Fiorentina with 26, tied with Gareth Bale of Man City with 26 goals. Gareth Bale definitely has a potential to win player of the season and maybe even be up in that team of the season as well. I'm sure he'll have other rewards to go and compete for. You'll have to wait till the next segment of this podcast. Jimmy Vardy and Musa Dembele tied with 27 each. Obviously, Jimmy Vardy going on and winning the league title with his 27 goals led all Young Boys players. At number two was Kareem Benzema, Arsenal FC's very own striker. He is easily up for MVP in this division or player of the season however you want to word it. With 32 goals, he added nine assists on the year. But everybody was second to none to Christian Benteke of Atlanta United. 36 goals led all of D2 players. He wins the gold boot, golden boot. And if I'm Atlanta United, going forward, you don't get rid of Christian Benteke unless some ridiculous offer comes in, which if you look at his real-life value, it's not, it's not coming. But wow, what an impact Benteke has made. Yes, Atlanta United should look to improve their defense come offseason. But for now, they can live in the spoils knowing that they have a golden boot winner of D2 right now. So I am going to take a brief little cut. I'm going to move on to the D2 team of the season. There's other awards I'm going to hand out just for the podcast. This isn't going to be in conjunction with the league or other things that we do or the manager's vote. Uh, which is obviously the one that really is going to matter. The manager vote, everyone's going to have a chance to vote on that one. So we'll be right back. Okay, so before I get into the whole team of the season awards for D2, let's pop into D1. If you really thought I was going to jump right into the team of the season awards, you know nothing about me and you know that I like to spoil some things for people, and this is one of those things. 
Over the course of the season, D1 did one thing for us, and that was provide kind of some clarity on the whole debate. Would it be Leon and Chelsea? Would it be an outsider? Well, it, the question was asked, and the answer was very abrupt. Because what Chelsea did this season was nothing short of perfection. And yes, they did tie six times. They lost two games. Two. And if you can name those two teams they lost to, that's fine. It's not a big deal. Every time Chris has gone on to win something, there's only been a few teams that really dominate him throughout the course of the season. Everyone else, he owns. Chris went on to not only win 28 games in the 36 that were played throughout the regular season or the league in this case. He scored 117 goals over the course of that time. And he only allowed 37. There's only one team better than him in that category. That is Augsburg with 36 goals allowed. And Augsburg at the end of the year finished second with 83 points. You know, it made it look a lot closer than it actually was. But where it really showed the difference in the power of these two teams. Chelsea had an 80 goal difference. The next closest team was Club America with 44 and Club America only ended up with 74 points. Olympic Lyon with 70. And as we go down, that's your top four, by the way. Chelsea, Augsburg, America, Lyon. Before I hop down to the rest of you in D1, look at what these teams did. Any other year, maybe it doesn't win the title, but it keeps. It may, they may even go higher. If I'm Augsburg, any other year, you probably win the title with 25, 26 wins. Right, Only allowing 36 goals, that usually wins you a title. That's why Roman got 83 points. Club Medi got 39 goals allowed throughout the course of the season. 23 wins. Yes, the eight losses really hurt Serge at the end of the year. But the 44 goal difference is immaculate, and that's why he's in the top four. And let's not forget about Santi, our winner of last year. 21 wins. That's still special. 20 wins is a lot. To score 85 goals to go along with that is special. That's second best in our league this year. And he allowed 69 goals, which was only good for 16 in the positive goal difference. But that's where Lyon looked bad this season was defensively. They scored goals when they needed to, but they also allowed a lot of goals. And they dropped a few matches at the end of the year. Points were definitely something they were dropping with all the ties. Seven, which was the most out of any team in the top four this year. Now let's get to the rest of these Hooligans here at the top division. Barcelona in fifth with 66 points. Liverpool finishing, finishing in sixth, six points behind with 60. LAFC in seventh. Excuse me, Manchester United in eighth. Wolverhampton Wonders both with 52 in ninth. Juventus in tenth with 50. AC Milan in 11th with 44. Real Madrid with 42 as they escape the drop. Atletico Nacional in 13th with 41. Tottenham Hotspur and Kashima Antlers both with 37 points. They are separated by three goals as they finish 14th and 15th. You know what happened to Houston Dynamo? Well, they finished 16th and are now will be now in D2 after the tie, the two game losses, uh, or the the two tie. Or you know what I'm trying to say. Blah blah blah. It doesn't matter. Houston's going down. Dortmund in 17th. They still have to play for their lives here in D1. Porto. And Newcastle, along with Roma, were the automatic go-downs. Newcastle and Roma will not be with us next season. So, that's what we have. Let's talk about the teams that are staying here. And we'll leave Dortmund out of this for now. The top 15. 
Congratulations, you survived. But if, you're, if your teams are Tottenham, Kashima, don't think so brightly about yourselves so quickly because you survived. This offseason is make or break because one slip again and you will be down in D2. There is immense flaws in both those teams. And I will, in the offseason, get into this more. But those two teams have to feel very lucky because they only survived by one point in goal difference, right? If Dynamo didn't allow 96 goals on the season, which, to be fair, was the second worst in the league, the worst in the league was Newcastle with 121 goals allowed. So there you go. You kind of expected Houston to go down allowing all those goals. Let's talk about some of the things I got right. Chelsea would finish in the top four. Lyon, Augsburg, they are where they're supposed to be. I was a little bit more optimistic about LAFC and a few of these other teams. But Club America got it done. And I fully expected Surge to be that team to get in there, right? The new top four. And now that Barcelona's there, and I kind of had him finishing mid-table, exceeding expectations, we'll see if Evan can grow on what was a fantastic year. Because... No one, I didn't expect Evan to jump this high up. If Liverpool were in fifth, you know, if this was inverse, I would say Evan had a good year. He kind of over, you know, he exceeded expectation. But going into that fifth spot and only missing out by four points of the top four, you have to applaud Evan. And, and to be honest, he was one point or one win away from 20 wins on the year. A first year manager in D1. That's special. You'll hear about Barcelona in a bit when I get into the team of the season because. He has a few guys in there. Now, you have Liverpool, you have LAFC, Manchester United, Wolves, Juventus, AC Milan. This is the cream of the crop, though, in the sense of these are the guys you have to beat if you want to win the league title. Because the top four this season did something that I really liked, and they kind of kicked each other's asses. They tied, and they lost to each other repeatedly. But this 5-10 to 10 range was wild. The inverse, the changings. If you go back, and you can do it with the League Republic website, you can look at where people are in the standings, and you watch certain guys go way up, and then you can watch them go drop way back down. And it's a very cool visual for those of us who like to see how these teams progressed. Liverpool, strong team, and this team is going to get better. We'll see if they can eliminate the 12 ties next season. Manchester United, if there was a more middle ground team, 14 wins, 10 draws, 12 losses, the only team in our league this year to have that type of record where they double digits in each category. To me, that's really cool. But this just shows how middle ground Manchester United are. Very smart to loan Pogba out when they did. And another thing they did that was really cool is that they got 52 points while scoring the least amount of goals out of anyone in the top 10 this year with 65 so that just tells me that Gabriel Jesus and Timo Werner literally said we're literally said we're gonna put our, our our this whole team on our backs, and they did that this year. I look for Manchester United to really improve on that next season. Another team like LAFC made some questionable moves, didn't quite crack that top five, top six area. But I think a seventh place finish is really good for them at the moment. I didn't like the Neymar move, still don't. Still ended up with 16 losses, which is tied for the worst out of any team in the top four with Wolves. And they, to be honest, with Wolves, they had very identical seasons in the sense of wins and losses and all that, goals allowed, etc. 
So we'll see where these teams all go from here. Some, like Andrew's team, he's put it out there before. He's willing to change things up. We'll see how these teams really adapt. Because FIFA 20, and really wish my disc reader on my PlayStation was working um, so I could play. But in the moments I have played FIFA 20, the game is going to require you to not only play defense manually, but it's going to require the midfield to work. And these teams maybe have one or two good players in their midfield that are offensive or they're one-dimensional. There is going to be a, necess a necessity to have guys in the midfield that can not only just defend or just score goals, but play the other side of the ball. And there are some guys in D2 that you can go and snag right now if you're these D1 clubs. You're going to have that opportunity come this offseason. It's going to be curious to see who from 5 to 10, I would even probably group AC Milan in there, and see what these teams do to improve their midfields where a lot of these teams really get beat by the top four teams. Let's move on to Aventus before I cut to the team of the, or the, all the stats from this season. Because Aventus, I had going down as the worst team. I thought Roma Newcastle had some momentum to them. I thought they were going to get better and better. Daniel just couldn't withstand it. I didn't think Daniel was actually even going to go down. I thought maybe a playoff spot at worst. Because things turn around very quickly in FIFA. It's like fantasy football. You can have, you can have six great weeks, start the season 6-0, and and then you can lose every single game after that. Because things change. Teams adapt. Teams get better. We didn't see him try and get better. He didn't want to wait it out. He didn't want to continue the effort. And that's okay. I've done that. I know a few people who have done that. Um, but that one hurt. Um, you know, he always talked a lot of shit to me personally. And I just thought he was going to sing around. So I thought he could turn it around. I didn't think Juventus were going to get a Mario, Bali, Mario Balotelli effort that they got. But they got it. And as we go forward, it's going to be curious to see how what, who... Already wants to add with Balotelli and Awobi. And if he can bring in some real talent, he's going to make some money. We'll see what the payouts are when they come out. Um, I'm pretty sure actually they're out as far as the base like amount of we're going to make. I don't know about anything else, add-ons, etc. And what the league's going to do if they've changed it, whatever. We'll see. We have to wait for the playoff, I'm assuming. Now, going forward... I will hopefully be better at my predictions. I, I really kind of swung and missed for the, with Juventus. For the most part, I thought Real Madrid would go down. Uh, but they, they survive. I'm proud of them. Atletico Nacional, who I thought would go way higher on the table. A little disappointing, but stays up. Time to improve that team. Uh, 86 goals allowed. Second worst in out of the teams that had potential to survive or did survive. I would can't Houston out because they're, they're down now. But they had the second worst record. Uh, of goals allowed we'll see if they can improve on that going on to next season kind of like with Tottenham and Kashima they need to figure things out they weren't that far away from dropping into the playoff spots let's move on to the statistics because guess what there's a lot of fun ones here a lot to unpack from a really long season but a lot of great efforts from some individuals on these given teams okay so let's start with the goalkeepers clean sheets and let me scroll down on my computer here 17 different goalkeepers 17. That is Sergio Romero, Albin Lafont with three goals, uh, three clean sheets each, excuse me, Alfonso Ariola of Houston, Paolo Lopez of Tottenham with four, 
Matia Perin of LAFC, we have Pavlenka of Real Madrid, Farman of Manchester United, Ederson of Wolves, Petrček of Kashima. Wow, that was a bad goalkeeping decision. Asmir Begovic of AC Milan, all with five clean sheets. Let's get to the top seven guys, as we have Thomas Vaklik. I don't think I said that right all season. Tied with Hugo Uris of Liverpool with six. Samir Handanovic. What a monster that guy is. Barcelona. Uh, goalkeeper with seven clean sheets, eight clean sheets for Burton Leno of Lyon. You have Alex McCarthy of Augsburg, where he's totally boosting his ability with 11 clean sheets, along with Cohen Castiles of Chelsea FC, the champions, getting 11 clean sheets from their goalkeeper. I will talk about their defensive effort in a bit when I get to team of the season. Thomas Dracosha with Club America. Well, he's the Gold Glove winner, and I don't think anybody thought he was going to be caught. 15 clean sheets. Guys, you're looking at the new clean sheets record holder. We'll see if someone could break this in the future. You know, right? We have 36 games. The fact that Surge was pushing, almost going halfway in half, you know, half the games recording a clean sheet. That's not an easy thing to do. Uh, another cool stat that Strakosha had. Oh, he had an assist this season. Don't ask me how the hell that happened. I'm not even trying to figure that one out. That That's special altogether. Strakosha had a special season, so did Club America. They finished third on the year. But when I get to my awards, you'll see where I'm getting at because a lot of these guys had some epic seasons. And that kind of leads me to the assists. Here's your top 10 of assist leaders over the course of the San Pedro FIFA League season in D1. Luka Jovic and Jao Felix of Leon tied with 15 assists. Side note, Felix had a 15-15 season, whereas Luka Jovic, who's the number two man uh, to, you know, Aubameyang on Wolves, had 18 goals and 15 assists. He's one to watch for as we go into the offseason. Could he be moved or could he be the new centerpiece for this Wolves team? And maybe Aubameyang moves on. In the eighth spot is two Liverpool players, Felipe Coutinho and Lorenzo Insigne, with both with 16 they had special seasons as well. 16 goals with, uh, excuse me, for Coutinho to go with those assists. 17 goals for Lorenzo Insigne. He had 16 assists to that. In sixth place, tied with Christian Eriksen, is Paulo Dybala. Both had 17. Paulo Dybala didn't quite get to the 15-15 mark, but he scored 11 goals. Christian Eriksen, another special season where he has 15 goals to those 17 assists. Timo Werner of Manchester United, all alone in the fourth spot with 18 assists. Well, you know, he kind of also scored 26 goals. You'll be hearing from him in a bit. Mohamed Salah in third with 20 assists. He had 11 goals to that. And Nicolas Pepe and Douglas Costa split the money as the kings of the assists. If we're being fair and we wanted a tiebreaker, Nicolas Pepe had 19 goals to Costa's 10 on the season. We'll see if the league decides to split that or they go with a tiebreaker in the goals. I hope they give the tiebreaker in the goals because why not? Reward the best player. Don't always reward everything else. I guess you can go with, oh, they both had the same amount of assists. Well, if you're also adding on to those assists, maybe you should get the money for that too. I don't know. Either way, let's get to the goals because this is what really is crazy. Things have really changed. And if I had a chart to show you Eden Hazard's goal tallies over the course of the season, he was outside the top 50 the last time I checked where he was at, I didn't check if he was in the middle ground. I usually don't go that far when I'm checking the goals uh, when I do the recordings. But the man ended up with 22 goals as Kashima survive. He's in 10th on the season. He's definitely 
a centerpiece of that rebuild and maybe Ryan switches teams going forward and Eden Hazard could be wearing more of a stylish jersey. Um, regardless, we have Aubameyang in ninth of Wolves. He had 23. Mario Balotelli, the savior for Aventus with 24. Timo Werner, there he is again, tied with Harry Kane of Tottenham Hotspur for the sixth spot with 26 goals. The grindiest of grindy players, Wissam Benyeter of LAFC with 28. Lionel Messi quietly got to the fourth spot with 35 goals. 40 goals for the surprise of the season in Romelu Lukaku. Kai Havertz with 41 goals. And of course, the man at the top all by himself with 58 in the new record, Cristiano Ronaldo of Chelsea. So we had a lot of things change this season, right? This is the first official year that I'm going to try and keep track of all these weird stats and how guys have done over the course of the season and total goals in the league scored. I'm going to try and keep track of these things. I know the league does a pretty good job of having it, but now that we seem more organized since we redid the league, now it's time to take advantage and kind of as a group say, these are where we're going to start collecting these stats. These are the new records. Yes, some guys quit, but guess what? These are the, this is the new standard. If anyone could beat these 58 goals from Ronaldo next season, there you go. That's special. Because that's the, that's the benchmark now for greatness in this league. 58 goals is not something we're going to see every year. And if you think Chris is going to do this again next year, you're crazy. The man has a tell. He only does this every other season. Yes, he had a great season last year, but he didn't win. Ronaldo was great, but Messi was better. So we'll see what happens. Maybe someone else rises out. Messi could have a bounce back year in the new FIFA. As Santi's already openly said, just give me the title already like a dumbass. Therefore, putting a target on his back, which means he's not going to win the league next year. Bold prediction. Winner of next year's league is definitely not Ryan. Um, anyways... Let's move on because I am totally spazzing out on this podcast. I'm having a lot of fun doing this because as the season ended, or was coming to a close, I was looking forward to doing the team of the season. And here it finally is, right? I, I mean, we, we talk so much about all these individual wars at the end of the year and how happy we were that these things were going to happen. Let's start with the funny awards because the funny awards are my favorite. Breakout or most important player that isn't on a winning team that didn't go up. Best player on a team that didn't go up. For two players, Gareth Bale, Man City, and Christian Benteke, the Golden Boot winner. Gareth Bale is going to garner a lot of attention as we go into the offseason for D2. Right? Let's be real. Who else is going to garner that attention? Because everyone is going to have an opportunity, because no one's going to pay his true value, but Mike might need the money to restructure this team. And Gareth Bale had a breakout season, was top five in goals, and at some points was carrying that whole team along. Obviously, we'll see if he can do that going forward. And let's not forget Christian Benteke. 30-plus goals in his first season. And he really captivated what was, I'm not going to win anything. I'm not going up. Let me try and win this stat. And that's what was done. So those two are my surprises of the year. Breakout players, if you will. Let's get on to the individual awards. Best goalkeeper award, I think, if you get the Golden Gloves, you should get 
the goal, best goalkeeper award that goes to Zach Steffen. Um, best defender award, I'm going to go with Vincent Company of Young Boys. They allowed the least amount of goals over the course of the season. And he obviously is a catalyst in that. Obviously, his FIFA value will drop going into FIFA 20 now that, it, now that he's moved on from Man City. So we'll see how that impacts what young boys do as they go up. They will have money from winning the title, so we'll see how they react. <clears throat> Midfielder of the year. It's got to be Pizarro. The man led everyone in assist. He added a ton of goals to go along with it. I just believe that Fiorentina would not be in the position they're in if they didn't have this man. Yes, they have impact from all over the field, but where they needed it most was from Pizarro's left foot. He was fantastic. Actually, I feel like he did a little bit of everything this season, and I think most people would have had him at player of the season. I don't. I'll get to that in a bit. But his impact was very Douglas Costa-like at the beginning of our season in D1, you know, where we had... Everyone's saying, oh, Douglas Costa might be the early, you know, early season prediction. He's going to win the Player of the Season award. He's just been that good. Pizarro kept that going throughout the whole season. Not that Costa had a bad season in any right. It's just he didn't continuously dominate games with goals and assists like Pizarro did. As for my forward, it's going to be Benteke. He isn't going to be the Player of the Season for me because I wanted to give these awards out to people who wouldn't win. But... What Benteke did, he kind of elevated himself. He's not the most important player. He didn't have the best season, in my opinion. You know, he won the Golden Boot Award, and he's the best forward, no doubt. He's the best forward, but to me, he's not the player of the season. He just, his impact wasn't enough to help his team win. Also, he didn't really provide assists, but he did provide goals, and I think winning the Golden Boot is special in its own right. Yes, it takes a lot of other factors, and you need the service from your teammates, but he, he scored all the goals, right? Even if it was lackadaisical service at times. I mean, the guy scored the goals. What more could you ask him to do? I'm pretty sure it's obvious that manager of the season is going to Ronnie Glossick. Ronnie had a fantastic season. He came out of the shot. I said he had a chance to make the playoffs at the beginning of the season. Well, the man won the D2 title. He's obviously the manager of the season coming from myself here at the doing the podcast I just I feel like there's no one that there's no one that stole that limelight more than him besides maybe Arsenal of this is Celtic and PSG's league to 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 lose well Josh lost it Celtic lost it by goal difference but Ronnie you are my manager of the season there's no one that has done what you've done in D2 the way you did it the goals you were scoring it's gonna it's unmatched at least this season. Player of the season, I'm going to go with Arsenal's Kareem Benzema. And here's why. The man scored 32 goals and added 9 assists. And I, it wouldn't have gone to him if it hadn't been for Santi Mina stopping doing everything. Santi Mina was like the other striker on that team that kind of was doing what Benzema was doing. Right? Providing assists, scoring goals when needed. But then he just stopped when Arsenal fell off. But Benzema kept going. There were certain games, I'm sure, that it felt like, if not for Benzema, Arsenal were going to lose. And that's not just coming from him. You know, That's coming from other people and stats that I've seen and games that I've seen and the times he scored in and the impact he's made. To me, he's the best. he was the best player overall on a team. If he had been on Young Boys, those Vardy numbers of 27 and 12 would be even higher. You know, David Villa would probably have more assists. 
playing in that pairing. Benzema was special this season in D2. We'll see if they can continue that arsenal in D1, where they are scoring goals. They have, they did allow a lot. That's going to be something to worry about. But as we go forward, as we end this first season for me doing the podcast, to me, Benzema was the scariest player in D2, and he did that from month one all the way until the end of the season. This is my team of the season for D2. Before I break up the podcast, I know I didn't really break up the D1 to this part of the podcast, but I will break it up here. I'll run something in between. Let's start at the back. Zach Steffen of Arsenal, you are in. Saar of Arsenal, as we get into the defense of three, makes it as well. Just you're, I'm looking, going back and looking at all the clean sheets. I'm seeing his ratings every time. Consistent, consistent, consistent. Every time, 7.5 or higher. That's what you want from your center back. That's what you want from your impactful defenders. Vincent Company of Young Boys, he makes He's obviously the defensive player of the year, or defender of the year down here in D2. Celtics, Umtiti definitely makes it. I don't think that Celtic, yes, with Arizabalaga, were perfect already, but getting Umtiti improved this team's chances of having control at the back and really keeping teams out with some athletic ability. Um, and definitely being able to pass out of the back helped. And Umtiti is definitely one of the main catalysts in this division this year that was able to do that. Let's get on to the midfield four because it's going to surprise you. There wasn't that much impact and I wanted to leave Pogba out. So, spoiler alert, Pogba's not in here. He didn't play a full season in D2 even though he put up ridiculous stats with Ronnie. Donnie, uh, excuse me, Donny Van de Beek of Fiorentina along with Pizarro are both into this midfield four. They joined Fred of PSG and Giuliano of Atletico Madrid. Giuliano is the only player in this midfield four, besides Pizarro and Van de Beek, <laughs> to have a 10 and 10 season or higher. Fred is the only one that didn't, but I will say this. The fact that Fred has been used in multiple positions, especially playing deep, and was able to put up 9 and 10 on the year, I think is really impressive. And the fact that so many other guys are midfielders that I thought when I'm looking at the stats, like, oh, they're going to beat out most of the other guys. Like, I thought I was going to have to put another young boys guy here. Nope. Fred was the man, and Fred got it done. He was the guy in that midfield. Obviously, Josh is going to have to go back and look at everything and be like, okay, I need to change things up. So we'll see what he does there. Let's get to the front three, because the front three was special. Obviously, Crane Benzema, you heard what I had to say about him. Benteke as well. But Jamie Vardy. Gotta love that guy. Currently leading the, the, the real-life Premier League with 10 goals right now. And he had a special season. You know, double digits in both goals and assists. Yes, he didn't score as much as Benzema and Benteke, but he had a special season. I think you're looking at all three of these forwards. Any of us that are coming into the league or in D2 right now would kill to have these guys, and maybe even some of you in D1 would kill to have one of these guys. This is my team of the season for D2. I'm going to take a quick break, and then I'll get into the D1 team of the season, and then I'll wrap up this wonderful podcast. We'll be right back. Okay, so my coffee's wore off a bit, and I am not going to be talking... 3,000 miles an hour, so I'm apologizing for the first, what, 45 minutes of this podcast. Regardless, let's flip in the notebook, and let's get to the D1 awards for this season. Surprise players. Don't be shocked by this too much, because I've been talking about it all year. Wissam Benetter and Romelu Lukaku both finishing in the top five in goals. And if I'm being honest, 
I'm actually shocked Mohamed Salah had the year he had. Those are my three players that really shown themselves to be who they were. Salah in real life is a fantastic player, and he will continue to be that way as long as Liverpool keep what they have together. But in FIFA, he hasn't really wore up to that standard yet. And Chelsea had him this year, and you know what they did. And yes, he benefited from having Cristiano Ronaldo at striker, as most of us probably would. But to get 20 assists and add 11 goals, I just was shocked by that. I didn't think he was going to have that good of a year. Let's get on to Wissam Benyatter. 28 goals, 8 assists on the year. He really helped LAFC get up there. And this is why I felt LAFC made a mistake in going and getting Neymar and slowing things down in a sense so them teams would gravitate more and Benyatter would benefit. Didn't really happen. Right? To me, it just felt like one less guy playing defense and one less guy focusing on Benyatter. And I hope LAFC going forward recognize this. Seeing 28 goals from any player... Your focus is, what can I build around them, right? Look at Timo Werner, a guy who I'll talk about because he's in a certain section of this part of the podcast for a reason. But the influence he had because he's built around and the fact that he can benefit from the people around him is something that LAFC has to see going forward. And yes, LAFC did have a better season than Manchester United in the end. It wasn't very far off in points, but if LAFC want to become what the teams in the top four are, They need to take from that model and continue to use it because that's what those teams in the top four are doing. They are building it around their superstars, and they are obviously they have more than just one superstar, but they have one personal player that they love and need the most, as everyone will have, and they build around him. We'll see if LAFC can do it in the future, but Wissam Benyetter is definitely my surprise player of the season. For the loanee of the year, and he will go into the free agent abyss at the end of this, is Houston Dynamo's Romelu Lukaku. Listen, 40 goals, 7 assists on the year. There were times in the season where I thought AG was just going to implode, and then you see a 4-goal game from Lukaku or a hat-trick. He scores a brace, adds an assist. He just did something. And that's what really salvaged a 40-goal season from anyone is special. Someone did score 40 goals in the Premier League in one season that break the record and completely actually wrecked the record. And Lukaku had a great season. He was, he was fantastic. And I, this year, we had more people score more goals than we've ever had. So that's something to take in. But Lukaku, Ben Yedder, and Mohamed Salah were the surprising trio of this year. I just felt like all three of these guys, you knew they were going to have some type of impact. You just didn't think they were going to have the most ones. Um, I'm not going to group Kai Havertz in this. I thought he was going to be a good player. I didn't think he would score 41 goals. Um, but I think as the season wore on, I think a lot of us were like, okay, like he, Evan needs this guy. It wasn't really shocking. Uh, but there were some other guys. Apologize for the noise pollution. Um, there is other guys that you kind of felt like, oh, Barcelona will be fine. You know, he got rid of him. Havertz did have his impact. I will talk about him in a bit. Our goalkeeper of the year. It's pretty obvious. It's Thomas Strakosha of Club America. He is joined by his teammate Virgil van Dijk for defender of the season. I said year, sorry, of the season. Those two guys, so impactful. You cannot deny the impact these guys had in their individual positions. And they were the best of their positions this year. In the midfield spot, it has to be Pepe. I know some people are going to consider a winger a forward. I don't. Because at some points in the season and in games, they have to defend. Most forwards don't defend. Nicolas Pepe scored 19 goals and, 20, and had 23 assists, which is tied for the best in the league. 
He's ranked 15th in goals. You know what other player has done that this season? Just one other guy is in the same type of category. And that's Timo Werner. Those are the only two guys this season to make an impact on our top 20 list of goal scorers and assists and pass makers, whatever you want to call it. There's only two. And Pepe had a fantastic year. And to me, he's the midfielder of the season. There were three America players I know, guys. Listen, Serge has had a season to remember. And if he never does anything great again in this league, we can look at that and say, well, this is why he had three superstars on his team, at least for the league superstars. Shikoshi ain't quite there just yet, and neither is Pepe. Um, forward of the year, I think this is obvious. Ronaldo, if we had to put a player up there that had such a great season that deserves to win both awards, uh, player of the season and this, it's going to be him. Cristiano Ronaldo is that guy. He just 58 goals. Almost, I mean, he's too shy of 60. We may never see this again. This was special. This was special and on its own. I hope uh, we see more from Ronaldo uh, for at least one more season. And then when I get up to D1, I, I hope I don't see it ever again. As for manager of the season and player of the season, I think it's fairly obvious. Chelsea will take it home with Chris Whitty. So, Chris, congratulations. Paired with Cristiano Ronaldo winning player of the season. Chelsea, like I said, 117 goals. You, you can't recreate this or even establish this overnight. This took a year or two to really get going. They had a really great year last year. This is that historic season that we're going to talk about. He did have some bumps in the road here as far as manager of the season. And, you know, I will like to point out before I get to team of the season for D1, let's not forget the VT Cup and how great Ronaldo was in that. And then we look at FA Cup, but just the way it ended for Chelsea... Yeah, I was leaning, like, should I give Barca the manager of the season award for doing what he did? He just kind of blew everyone away. But you look at all the statistics, and they all point towards Chelsea this season. Um, second best defense, number one offense. When you're one and two in those categories, you're fairly looking at a lot of points. They got 90. And that's special. Chris, you hold on to this season. If, if you never do anything again in this league, which we're sure you will, this is the season to beat for the greatest season I think we've ever had. If he wins or if he wins those two or ties those two games he lost, he's an invincible and in a dangerous one. Not like how Arsenal were in 04 where there were some games that they didn't score in. No, 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 no. Chris scored in every single game. We may never see that again. Let's get to the team of the season. This one's fun. Obviously, we're looking at Strakosha at the back. He's joined by VVD in that back three with Jonathan Ta from Chelsea. And then Matthias DeLitt from Augsburg joins into that back three. Those four would be a formidable group to deal with if someone had to play this team. Midfield three, don't hate me, guys. This is my personal opinion. This has nothing to do with what you guys are going to vote for after this podcast comes out. I am going to go around, so stay Stay lurking uh, in your messages, or if I tag you in something, you know, just send me a DM, whatever. This is my midfield four. I got Nicholas Pepe, Douglas Costa, Kai Havertz, and I'm not going to leave Messi out. I know in real life he probably would play a little bit higher, but I had to put somebody else in that list because of the season they had, and I also couldn't leave Messi out. There was no way. Um, the front three, it's going to be a front three of Lukaku, Ronaldo, and Timo Werner. Timo Werner had 26 goals and 18 assists. To me, 
What a season. If not for Ronaldo's 58 goals, I'm talking about Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, and Nicolas Pepe for player of the season because of the impact they made on their teams. No one else has done more. You can look at the 40 goals from Lukaku, 35 from Messi, uh, but right now you're looking at a special season. To have almost 20 goals and or 20 goals and 20 assists is special. Nicolas Pepe and Timo Werner, you stand alone right now to me as the guys that should have, could have won if not for Cristiano Ronaldo existing near 60 goals. All right, let's relax a little bit. We got to the end of the season. As we move to the offseason, we obviously still have that playoff game to play. There is a lot that's going to happen. Let's be realistic, okay, with how fast things are going to go. Our two board members deserve some breaks. If we add someone into that group, good luck, and they get a third or a fourth, obviously that'll be their choice. But if they do choose to add someone, just know that things are going to take time for those people as well. And, let's, and if they stay as two people, then let's give those guys some, uh, you know, a good break here. Let's give them to the, uh, at least the beginning of December before we start asking for windows to be open. Let's take a break you know, from all this for just a little bit. Normally, I'm not the guy to say that. If, if Ryan and Joey were up for it, I'd say we start the window December 1st. Obviously, no games will be played in that time. You know, the season would probably start... I hate to admit it, it would start January 1st. Most people would not play January 1st, but it'd be a good time to start the season. And I know a lot of you are like, oh, but we're a preseason tournament. Well, we wouldn't, we'd play the pre, there is no preseason tournament. The season starts with the VT Cup. You know, you can start it on the first or second weekend of January. That way you could even push the window back deeper if you need to. We'll see what the league compromises to. But just know, be patient. You have a month to get your shit together. And... Then we move on to a glorious window where me and my 10 mil are going to go to work. I'm just kidding. I'm not spending any of that unless I get someone sold. Um, but we'll see. There's a lot of money to throw around. I'm going to be curious to see what Chelsea do to add to their juggernaut. We have Barcelona, a team that's looking to get into the big dance with the big boys a little bit more next season. There's a lot of changes coming to the league that are positive. We'll see how these teams deal with it and adapt. There's a lot of money going to be thrown around, obviously around that time so i will talk about all that stuff i will talk about some teams and talk about where we go when i do the next podcast um for you managers that want to be on it let me know Uh, i've already contacted a few we will be talking about other teams so just know when you come on that'll be something that we dabble with of course i'll talk about your teams as well as for now like i said let's be patient let's figure out who wins this bvb fiorentina matchup first before we go anywhere else But to those who won awards today from the podcast, listen, to me, you were special. We'll see what your peers think um, because they are going to have a bigger influence on the season. Uh, I I think their opinion actually will have a bigger influence on what you think of a season you had. Sorry, I'm stumbling over my words, but that's what I think will happen. We have a very, very fun award season coming to an end. Obviously, we're going to figure out who wins what awards, but until then, this is goodbye. The next podcast will be, I believe, two weeks from now. I'm not trying to do one every week in the offseason, but we'll see. Thank you guys once again for listening to the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. Once again, my name is George Tello. I am so glad that I started doing this, and I am so happy that at the end of the first season, you guys have been so involved. Um... 
what can I say? I, I honestly, it makes me really happy because I, when I came up with this idea, I was so nervous. Um, when I did my first podcast, I was, I, I was nervous. I, I can't, I can't even deny that. I thought, man, these guys are going to fucking make so much fun of me. And I thought, oh man, this is not going to be good. This is going to be terrible. And then as the season went on, I was getting a little bit better in what I wanted to do. And I'm glad you guys have remained patient with me and I really appreciate it. And I look forward to season two doing the podcast. Of course, I will keep the podcast going. And on December 1st, it'll be season two of the podcast where things might be a little bit different. We will see. I might have a co-host and I may have a better producer than just myself on the podcast. As for now, thank you guys so much for listening. I know this one went on for a long time, but once again, you guys are the best. If you have anything you would like to do uh, or send me or say about the podcast, send it to San Pedro FIFA League on Instagram. Or if you're a manager in the league, you know where to find me. Once again, thank you guys for listening. Goodbye.